0: This week in KMA Land, winter storm wallops KMA Land, Shenandoah and Page County cope with heavy snowfall, KMA Land schools frozen by a winter event, Shen Council sets budget hearing, Shenandoah School Board begins negotiations on new contracts, and Clarendon School District gears up for a major bond issue vote. I'm Mike Peterson. For all intents and purposes, winter finally arrived in KMA Land this week. After previous winter events failed to live up to their building, Thursday's snowstorm across KMA Land was a showstopper. Heavy snowfall coupled with high winds made for treacherous road conditions across the region. Becky Current is a meteorologist of the Weather Services Valley, Nebraska office. Curran tells KMA News the storm developed a little further north than initially anticipated overnight and impacted the Omaha and Lincoln metro areas during the rush hour Thursday morning, dropping a huge amount of snow.
1: And so they were getting snowfall rates of about an inch per hour, or maybe even a little greater than that. And so um, some parts of Lincoln have accumulated oh six to I've seen some eight and a half amounts in Lincoln and I've seen some um, pretty pretty substantial widespread I should say uh, amounts over the Omaha metro.
0: Once snow tapered off late Thursday afternoon temperatures dropped into the single digits overnight before sunny skies and warmer temperatures returned on Friday. Still most KMA land residents had their hands full with snow removal efforts. Shovels were in order in the community as the biggest snowstorm of winter thus far roared through the KMA land. Snow began falling across most of the community early in the morning and kicked into high gear as daylight broke. Ryan Miller attempted to clear white stuff from in front of Dingus's auto glass on Locust Street, and he wasn't too thrilled about it. I think it's not much fun.
2: <laughs> I was hoping not to have the shovel or snow blow this year. It's been pretty
0: nice. Though Miller lives only about a mile from work, driving in the snow, even within city limits, wasn't easy. It was still
3: hard to see, and I had to go real slow.
0: The rapidly accumulating snowfall activated snow removal ordinances across the region. Snow emergencies in Shenandoah and Essex, for example, are triggered after two inches of snow has fallen and remain in effect until snow has ended and streets are cleared from curb to curb. Though it's been a relatively uneventful winter until now, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says residents have obeyed the ordinance and moved vehicles accordingly.
4: This year it seemed like every, everything fell into place. Uh, everybody did what they were supposed to do uh, to get the, let the crews get out there and get the streets done. Uh, you know, and as soon as we get that, then we can lift that uh, snow route emergency, and you know, people can go back to parking. So you know, the cooperation on this is is the key. If uh, everybody works together, we can get this taken care of, and then get back to normal somewhat.
0: McQueen made his comments on KMA's Morning Line program earlier this week. Street crews weren't the only ones busy. Page County Engineer J.D. King tells KMA News county secondary road plows were sent out to the county's paved roads around 5:30 Thursday morning says heavy snowfall throughout the early morning made it challenging to keep the roads clear for extended periods i've
2: been on some uh, pavements in the northeast northern part of the county this morning uh, behind the plow the road was pretty clean the plows were doing a good job but uh but the uh, lane that they had done 20 minutes before was uh, snow-covered again.
0: King says road conditions vary due to the gusty winds that cleared a few roads running east and west. There
2: was open areas where the snow blew across the road there on the east-west roads, and uh, and they were clean. In that, I mean, that's uh, Ferguson Road was that like that. Uh, One Seventy Street was like that in spots and even a J-20 on the concrete. Some of the, some of the areas blew across. Some of it was snow covered in the protected areas. King
0: adds the drastic temperature changes made snow removal a little more complicated.
2: That'll be a challenge for us given the roads weren't, the roads were soft yesterday they Were they were not frozen due to the temperatures. So uh, if it continues to snow and builds up, usually we go out at four inches or so on the gravels. We'll see how that goes.
0: While most paved roads were trafficable by late in the day, King still urged motorists to slow down and drive carefully. Well, faced with the biggest winter storm of the season, many KMA land school administrators made this decision regarding classes Thursday. Let it go, let it go. And the cancellation of classes left area students exploring other options. Do you With a forecast indicating a storm turning the region into a virtual Disney snow globe, some schools pulled the plug late Wednesday evening. Other districts waited until morning after being burned by the last major winter event that never materialized. We talked about that earlier. Dr. Devin Embrae is superintendent of the Glenwood School District. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning, Embrae says the decision to cancel his Districts classes came before five that morning. We
2: typically go out and drive in the mornings. We have in the past tried to call things at night when we think they're going to happen, but the last storm that came through was not real accurate in in placement, and so we we held off to see which way this one was going to go. Embry
0: says it's only the second snow day this school year, but it means a two day extension of the school year. Typically,
2: you know, we have a we're, we're well over our hours. Um, however, we changed our calendar to add some professional development days in, so. We're pretty tight on hours at the end of our calendar, so the days that we do miss in our calendar now will make up at the end of the year. So we just extend our last day one more day.
0: Unlike the COVID-19 period three years ago, Embraer says remote learning is not an option for his district on snow days. However, Embraer is hoping a bill at the State House will change that. Outside of the weather, there was plenty of other news this week. In Page County, deliberations continued on how best to address a lingering and growing need for the county, a new jail. Meeting a regular session Tuesday morning, the county's board of supervisors heard a brief update from Greg Wild with Samuels Group and discussed the next steps in establishing a formal proposal for a new county jail. Over the past year, Samuels Group has developed multiple proposals for the facility, including just the jail or incorporating the sheriff's office and related county agencies. However, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes expressed concerns about the cost of the project and its associated architectural or construction fees, which Wild says would be between 11 to 14 percent of the total project, becoming too large as several departments are included in the facility. The dollar
5: per square foot, the building side of the jail, is Crazy. Now the jail part is inspected. The part we house, we unload them, make sure that's safe, all that stuff. All the extra office space and all the extra rooms and break rooms and you name it—that's not inspected. It isn't where you house or unload or whatever book. So that's where I get to get in That stuff is extra and it's built inside of the jail plan, and it has a fees for consultants and everything else tied in the price. So. It goes from a few million to mega millions
6: to to everything you want.
0: Wild adds the cost per square foot of any additional department, including the sheriff's, would be considerably less than the jail itself. However, he also advised costs won't be getting cheaper anytime soon, particularly given the county's rural location. Wild cited a project assisting with at the Clarendon Correctional Facility that jumped from 19 million dollars to 17 million dollars in the past two years. Nothing changed
2: on the design or the size, or any of that the need is what the need is, but the rising costs have absolutely skyrocketed. And unfortunately, that facility is located here in Clarendon,
6: and
5: trying to get the
2: subcontractors and materials here and the
5: trades is costly.
0: Supervisor Judy Clark says the board should have more faith in the proposals made by Samuels Group, given their experience, and come to a decision sooner rather than later in what she says are basic needs for the county. You've
1: got to look at at the fact that that Samuels has built jails all over. And you have to realize that they have the experience that we as individuals don't have and I think you know you've got to look at what we need right now, and well, what I'm we not- need is a jail, and we need to move forward, and we need to have everything in one place. You got uh, and and you as, as to Todd fight. says, we need to have it. We need to to
0: do it right the first time. Supervisor Todd Maher believes that at least the sheriff's office and dispatch should be included in the facility for safety and logistical concerns. He adds moving quickly would be also of essence should a bond issue struggle to receive the necessary votes come election time. Wild says a vote could be held this fall at the earliest. However, he also suggested providing at least six months between presenting a consensus to the public and the special election itself. Like counterparts in other area municipalities, Shenandoah officials are trying to finalize budgets for next fiscal year with one eye focused on the statehouse. At its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council set a public hearing for March 14th at 6 p.m. on the city's fiscal 2024 budget. Under the proposed budget, the city's property tax levy drops from more than $14.83 for $1,000 valuation this fiscal year to approximately $12.22 per thousand in fiscal 2024. Four. Shenandoah City Administrator A.J. Lyman attributes decreasing debt service to the lower tax rate, but Lyman and other city officials laud the city's department heads with staying within budget parameters. We've built
3: a culture of really uh, keeping an eye on those things and, you know, I mean, our, our department heads, you know, live, in,
0: live here too, you know,
3: it's it's their money as well. It's not the city's money, it's, it's the residents' money is the way we really try to treat things around here and you know, we've got respect for it and we you know try to ensure that every every last penny is going towards those services we're expected to provide.
0: Lyman is among city officials statewide waiting a decision from the Iowa legislature in a bill addressing an error in property tax rollback numbers in fiscal twenty twenty one. Approved late last month in the Iowa Senate, the measure awaits action in the Iowa House. Lyman says the bill will either freeze valuations at last year's rate or roll them back.
3: Obviously, we would have a, a pretty significant impact to to our city operations. You know, um, I know you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cities are across the state max out their general fund levy every year, and they're they're doing everything they can to uh, provide those services. So any time that those valuations either get fixed or or I'm sorry set in stone or rolled back you know obviously that that has a lot of ramifications for us.
0: Also Tuesday night the council cleared the way for a future street department facility by approving the purchase of more than five acres of property on Ferguson Road from Valley Farns Incorporated for $104,600. City officials want a new facility for a centralized location for the city's street department. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says the project now moves into the planning stages now that space is available. You know,
4: it's going to be up to everyone to kind of pitch in on this. We want to make sure it's built adequately to hold everything, but we don't need a, a gigantic, you know, warehouse kind of a building. We need something that's very functional, something that'll have a lift and a pit so they can do their own service and maintenance.
0: McQueen says the project's cost and dimensions are undetermined at this time. Once
4: we get the design figured out of exactly what we want, I mean, is this going to be a 20 garage door building, a 10 garage? I mean, there's a lot of things there that need to be worked out and so forth. But, you know, this is going to be something that's good that probably, you know, I'd like to see it completed in 24 months, whether that happens or not. But, uh, you know, now that now the land's bought, we can start looking at that.
0: Funding for the city's road use tax revenues will cover the project's construction. Negotiations commenced this week regarding the Shenandoah School District's teacher and support staff contracts. At its the meeting late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board acknowledged the opening proposal from the Shenandoah Education Association representing the district's instructors. SEA spokesperson Amy Bopp says the organization's initial proposal entails a base pay increase from $39,325 to $43,000. The total proposed percent increase
7: is 8.1 percent,
6: which includes aging the schedule and the total dollar amount increases about 527000
0: The three-year contract would run from July 1st of this year to June 30th, 2026. However, base wages would be open to negotiations again for the 2024-25 master contract. In return, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson says the district proposes a base pay increase of $40,000. That represents a 2.59% increase, more than $174,000. The thing to
1: be mindful of at this point that we're looking at is the ability to respond to the needs of our teaching staff, our support staff, all of our staff that's included, and also acknowledge that inflation is high. We recognize that, and we know that there's a teacher shortage and other factors. Uh, This does exceed over 50% of the new authority that we will receive as a district.
0: Board members also acknowledge the Shenandoah Support Staff Association plus initial proposal SSA Plus members seek a base salary increase of $1.80 per hour for all support staff employees, which entails a 9.84% increase or a total of more than $215,000 for the same three-year period. In response, the district proposes a 50-cent hourly increase for all support staff members and a 4% increase in route pay for bus drivers. This amounts to a 3.49% increase or more than $74,000 if you're keeping score at home. Old Shenandoah school officials have enlisted a local company to assist students in finishing the CTE housing project. By a 4-1 vote late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board approved the bids of Integrity Roof of more than $12,946 for roof replacement and $7,750 for framing of the housing rehabilitation project at 213 West Sheridan Avenue. School officials as you'll recall purchased the property a year ago this month from the city for $1 for the high school's industrial tech classes full-scale renovation as part of the district's career technical education programming. Well speaking on KMA's morning line program Tuesday morning, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson said the company's assistance will help expedite the project's completion. We're
1: at a point where there's some work that needs to be done that we do not have the capacity to do internally and So we were looking at options where we could either partner with a company to work with our students or have a company provide the service for us and Integrity is able to do the roofing and the framing. And, you know, our first goal and intent is for students to learn with this project and to be part of the construction and to gain from the entire experience. We also have to be mindful of what we can and can't do safely, timely, and we want to make sure that it's done well because in the end we – you know, and we do intend to sell the house, and so that's why Integrity was approved for that bid.
0: Nelson says the project's completion date is undetermined. The superintendent says students have made good progress on renovating the dilapidated structure. They
1: have been able to have windows installed with the help of Pella, and they're working with Mullen on some of the HVAC work, and they've done a good job with it. It is our first project. There are lots of things to learn when we go through establishing you know, a new way of working with students, and so we've Learned some things and we feel good about the work so far and we believe this is the next step to complete so that you know we, we can finish it up and be in a position to sell the house and move on to a different project.
0: Board member Clint Wooten cast the lone dissenting vote. Clarenda school officials continue to get the word out on the upcoming special election determining the future of the district's facilities. Open houses are set for this coming Monday and Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. at both the elementary and middle school high school buildings. Both events are part of the district's campaign surrounding the March 7th special election with two questions on the referendum. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privia outlined the first question, a $14 million bond issue addressing a long list of building needs. The
6: scope of that question will be building new classroom additions to our high school, renovating our science rooms at the high school, renovating our family and consumer science rooms, upgrading restrooms to be ADA compliant. We'll be renovating some office space for special education. This will also cover a new early childhood center at the elementary building.
0: Voters will all to decide on a voted physical plant and equipment levy totaling four million dollars for additional projects. Scope
6: of that will be renovating the CTE building at the high school, creating secure entries at the PK-6 building and high school, and a bus barn
0: allowance. Privia says the projects are necessary to address space needs and renovating heating and air conditioning systems in each of the buildings. He adds the security upgrades are very necessary. We
6: would have a vestibule that patrons would be able to enter into, would go directly to the office, then they would be allowed to get into the building. Right now, that's not what our system is set up for. You actually get into the building, then you get to the office. We want to circumvent that. So people have to check in at the office at every opportunity anytime anybody comes to the district.
0: As with other bond issues, the Clarinda bond issue needs a 60% supermajority in order to pass. The voted PEPL requires only a 50% majority. In addition to next week's open houses, other campaign components include videos outlining the district's facilities needs plus flyers and yard signs. More information on the March referendum is available from the district's website. Back-and-forth discussions between supporters and opponents of carbon sequestration projects continue in KMALAT. Officials with the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Tuesday unveiled a study based on a scenario where the state's ethanol plants are precluded from using carbon capture sequestration or CCS technology via pipelines. IRFA officials announced the survey's results in a press conference Tuesday morning. David Miller is chief economist for Decision Innovation Solutions, the company conducting the study. Among its findings, Miller says the study determined that 75 percent of the state's ethanol production would contract or migrate out of the state, leading many plants to shut down.
7: Iowa produced 4.5 billion gallons of ethanol this uh, 2022. We think about 3.3 billion of that would, would probably move, 3.4 billion, and that is something over a billion bushels of corn. It ends up being about 40 percent of the Iowa corn crop would end up finding a, a new home is what it amounts to.
0: The company's study also claims that Iowa farmers would lose local markets for more than a million bushels of corn annually, depressing local corn prices, and that the state would realize an eventual decline in revenues from ethanol plants of more than $10 billion per year. Miller also says transporting carbon via pipelines is cheaper than alternative forms of transportation.
7: Pipelines have a much lower cost to move carbon dioxide than do either uh, rail and or trucks. To move all the carbon from Iowa's ethanol plants by truck, you're probably adding 61,000 trucks per day to the uh, system. And that's assuming the trucks could all uh, make basically a round trip per
0: day. IRFA officials commissioned the study as debate rages on across the state regarding CO2 pipelines, including Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express project, which would span over 700 miles across the western portion of Iowa. Green Plains' Shenandoah plant is one of 21 in Iowa and 31 system-wide that will be hooked onto the pipeline, which would also cover parts of Nebraska, Minnesota, and North and South Dakota. IRFA Executive Director Monty Shaw says he realizes the pipeline issue and concerns over the use of eminent domain to secure land for such projects is emotional there have been
5: calls from the left and the right to ban these projects there have been other calls to set up hurdles that are so high that i would refer to them as a de facto ban and so we felt it was important to have an informed discussion and that people can make an informed decision
0: phase two of the study scheduled for release later this month will examine the negative impact on local porn prices from the projected reduction in the Iowa corn grid. Also this week, the Iowa State Patrol launched a renewed effort to improve safety on various two-lane roads. That's according to Patrol District 3 Public Safety Officer Ryan DeVolt, who told KMA News his agency is launching a monthly High 3 project, including increased enforcement on Highways 2 and 92 and U.S. Highway 34 on Wednesdays. Over the past three years, DeVault says 1,700 crashes have occurred on two-lane highways compared to 1,500 on the interstate system in District 3, including nine southwest Iowa counties. In that same period, he adds two-lane roads saw over twice as many traffic deaths as the interstate systems. Whether
5: it be a state highway, county pavement, uh, gravel road, that's just any of those any of those other roads. So, And 58 of those resulted in fatalities on the two-lane roads where you know the counterpart of the interstate. Twenty of those are fatalities. So, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna put extra emphasis in, in 2023 on you know, trying to get back out on those two-lane roadways.
0: In 2022 alone, the same nine-county region saw 30 traffic fatalities. DeVault says the hope is more presence on the major highways can help deter dangerous driving habits, primarily excessive speeding and seatbelt usage. However, he adds they won't be focused on certain sections of the two-lane roads either. You,
5: know, you may see us in extra, extra numbers in those areas, all the way from you know, Taylor County, Adams County, all the way west over towards Uh, I-29. So it's not just one primary focused area, you know, but the county sheriffs and and us are going to work together to to hopefully try to make a difference.
0: While rational thinking might lead people to believe higher traffic numbers on the interstate system would lead to more accidents, DeVault says there are more outside factors in play when driving on more rural or two-lane roads. For the
5: most part, interstate systems are flat, maybe a few gentle rolling hills, but you don't have a lot of uh, intersections that you have to deal with where people are distracted, not seeing stop signs, uh, pulling out in front of people. Uh, you've got blind corners and hills and, and there's just a lot of factors that contribute to those accidents out here on these rural roads. So, you know, our main focus is obviously trying to slow the speeds down. Uh, cause obviously if your speed is slower, you can react quicker.
0: The project is connected with the patrol's efforts to reduce the number of traffic deaths below 300, which hasn't occurred since 1925. As of Monday, the Iowa Department of Transportation has reported 35 traffic fatalities, an increase of 16 from this time last year. That wraps up This Week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com. You can also hear this program in its entirety. From the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.